Coming up, writer, comedian Dana Gould joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. Hello, everyone. I'm Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. Hi, Tamara Bird. Nice to see Hi you there. Hi there. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited. I'm giddy about uh, getting you to talk to You are giddy. Dana Gould. I'm a longtime uh, fan of Dana's. We worked together many years ago on a show called Fired. Uh, he, of course, you know, went on. We're going to be reading his credits, but of course, yeah. worked with The Simpsons and is yeah. known as a comedian's comedian, but just one of the funniest, funniest people ever, ever. And. Uh, I'm excited to I talk. Love- and he's a movie lover. Yeah. He's worked on TCM, Turner Classic Movies, oh, did some hosting with Ben one night. Uh, you know, he has an affinity as those who, who know him with the film Planet of the Apes. We're going to get into mm. that. But he's just a wonderful person. Things so to I'm, talk I'm excited. About. Yeah. I'm going to try to be, you know, when someone funny is on and I, I you know, you try, you try to up your game. Yes. So I always. Watch I watch all sink now. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you've said that. Was that was funny. <laughs> that was hilarious. That's like when you try to be funny around a comedian and they just oh. stare at you. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's not funny. Okay. Okay, moving on. All right. Well, nice to see you here. Thank you. Nice to see you. Speaking of movies, we haven't really talked about this year's Oscar awards. Yes, the I love. I. I, It's it's great to have a wonderful uh, debacle. Yes. Like like that. It was completely. First of all, my night was crazy enough because I I of all the things I had a I had a meeting that day a meeting about a a project that I uh, am uh, directing. Yes. And uh, I. So they had to have, they wanted a meeting. Don't they know it's a national holiday in Los Angeles? I know. And so we met at the Four Seasons and there was a party already going on. And so it was complete chaos. Did you just crash that party after the meeting? No, because I had to leave because I had to go to a viewing party at a friend's house. And I got to the viewing party and we're watching the Oscars and the woman wins, the movie wins, the salesman. And she goes up to make her speech and all the lights in the house go out. No! And it is completely... Please. That was a fantastic speech, by the way. Well, we missed it. And uh. Uh, no one had. We were in a screen. I it was complete. We were like, is it? Is it the government? Is it the end? It was so. Yes. But to make our way out, and we had elderly people watching. So that became a whole thing. And then after 20 minutes, there was no. You know, I the said, power did not come back on. No, so people were starting to bail, and uh, you know, and uh, and it was a shame too because I I lost five dollars. I had damn in it the, in the uh, ba- you know we had the the, the, the ballot pool. there in the yeah. pool. I lost my five bucks, but um, and then I go home, and then a, so and then that I was like, what a night, and then the debacle. But the idea that Warren Beatty, it, it just had everything of comedy, uh, <laughs> it, you know, that it needed. It had Warren Beatty and yeah. Faye Dunaway. My favorite part was apparently they were squabbling, sort of backstage. So that's how great comedy. They, the two of them. Yeah, they were fighting. They were squabbling. They blaming were, one another for the problem. No. 
no, this is this is oh before sidebar. That would have been a good story. Oh, that's funny. I heard like you know like an old married couple. They were grumbling at each other, you know, beforehand. So there's that backstory. Then you've got the backstory of Price Waterhouse, the guy that all he cares. He's in love with Emma Stone, and all he wants is a picture of Emma Stone, and literally in hands, you know, the only thing he has to do. All he has to do is hand him the right envelope, and somehow again, you know, sends him the gives him the wrong envelope. Then you have like Emma Emma Stone. Like, do we blame Emma Stone? Then we have the heroic, the producers of La La Land who give all their speeches and could have been a disaster, but yet they they go no. No, this award belongs to you. And they sort of save the the card. So that guy makes himself famous overnight, the the producer. Then we have uh, then uh, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, the way he handled it, I thought was hysterical when he said, what have you done, Warren? (laughs) Warren Beatty, what have you done? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, then you have like the 11th, it's like the Zabruder film. Now everyone is re-examining oh, yes. the f- close up and we're all become private detectives. Right. And- so do you think all the hoopla was really warranted? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it oh. keeps us, it keeps us, <laughs> well, that way we don't have to think about real things, like our real government. Oh, but, um, yeah. You know, it keeps it uh, it keeps it exciting. I mean, I'm a member of the Academy. I vote. It, it was an upset. I, you know, I I really thought La La Land was was going to be a strong contender. They spilled the beans about something in the press that I don't think people know, uh, which has been a recent change in the Academy that you have to vote for a first, second, and third film. Right. And I'm wondering how that again maybe even affected. You you know, there could be a further controversy of, you know, can, you know, I'd like to see the actual votes. This mm. this brings up something interesting is can you see the actual votes? Right. Do they ever release that information? I don't know. Huh. Now I'm curious and yeah. I actually vote. So, you know, how many people of the 6,000 members voted uh, you know, for for those films, did did fences and moonlights? You Rank. know, uh, did they split the votes? It's, right, because it seemed it seemed that part of the issue was that Faye Dunaway was so convinced that La La Land had won that it wasn't even a surprise. She was like, "Oh, Warren, La La Land," <laughs> and she's yeah. she's like Gracie Allen. She's completely wrong. Um, I love the way, and then Jimmy Kimmel the next day. In a in a very kind of Jack Parr way of explaining, bringing us all into it, yes. what happened backstage yes. and how Denzel Washington, they were wandering around the stage and he looked out and he said that Denzel Washington was telling him to get Barry Jenkins to give a speech because then the poor Moonlight people didn't even get a speech and then right. you have. You know the post, like they've got all the reaction. Did you see the yes, great, I like did. the Meryl yeah. Streep face? And yeah, everybody like 
So, well, like the Zapruder film, going, or, or yeah. the Martin Luther King, everybody pointing in one direction. I wish their... we had this kind of enthusiasm for our government. Right? You know what I mean? The outrage, the the drama, the comedy, the speculation. You know, meanwhile, like our country is falling apart. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Another one just got confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, exactly. when it comes to the Oscars, we're gonna have we're gonna demand that that something is right. But I I you know, listen, it's it's. It, it, for Price Waterhouse, it's a, it's a debacle. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, you know, to me, they're they should be gone. How could they ever be trusted again? No, of course. You know, I course. felt bad for the two people. Of course, you know, should they be fired? Probably. I mean, you know, who elected me king of right. Price Waterhouse? But did the guy mess up? He did. But is that something that should have been handled handled? Privately, maybe between him and Price Waterhouse, right? But boy, the public scathing the guy has had, yeah, including you know, oh, the guy self-proclaimed that he says he looks like Matt Damon. Like, okay, well, uh, we've we've gotten to the bottom of it. Let's crucify him. <laughs> you know, I feel I feel sorry for them. But so, but a really important question I have for you. The and main that thing is, is, I didn't win again. You didn't, okay? win, I didn't again. win again. Again, and which was your favorite dress? That's actually really what I'd like to talk about. Emma Stone, I thought, had, in oh, my opinion. Oh, fantastic dress. But God bless Holly Berry. I, I freaking loved it. Mm, did you? Yes. It's she she was be... on a lot of worse dress lists for I that. know, but, you know, screw them. They have no sense of humor. She's such a beautiful woman. Oh, yeah. And I loved her hair. I thought it was fantastic. It's fun. Yeah. You know, it's fun. She looked in the mirror and she was like, you know what? Let's do something crazy. Yeah, you know it was I, definitely out of the norm for her. She's for so sure. beautiful. Oh yeah, that you know she could pull that off. If yeah, I, she could wear this mic cover on her head and look right. amazing. So I thought she, I thought she was great. But um, again, everybody is a little bit too styled. Everything kind of looks. It's, you know, the same Yeah, tones. you don't see any swan dresses anymore. No, no. I thought Taraji P. Henson was incredible. Yes. Hair, jewelry, makeup, dress. Mm-hmm. The, the dress was blue, not black. Yes. I have confirmed it. I also love Nicole Kidman. I think she was I I phenomenal. say kudos to Ryan Gosling and the ruffled shirt. Yes! Bring I, him back, the 70s ruffle, right? I love that ruffled shirt. I, yep. I, I'm curious who, who did the ruffled shirt. I thought that was... I thought that was really great. I agree. It was fantastic. But um, uh, And the in memoriam, oh, my final thought, oh, in, yeah. the, in the memoriam, always tough, the people that they uh, did exclude. Exclude. Mm-hmm. And I thought they missed a real opportunity in not having Alexis Arquette. Oh, uh, yes. And that really, that kind of bothered me because yeah. he was a wonderful actor and, and uh, it, he was in The Wedding Singer and uh, part of the LGBT community and... Um, I don't know. I just I, I thought that was a miss, and I believe they, they they didn't have Alan Rickman. So they always there are people that they they you know have and don't have, and then but between them I have and, to be selective, yeah. And TCM, yeah. But um, I mean, I think like two. I don't think they had David Bowie. Um, no, uh, right. But I don't know. And again, I don't know if that crosses through with the year. Or exactly. The, that's I have one no of the idea questions. how they what make their, their exactly when their year is. But in um, TCM, but they have all those people. Sarah Bareilles singing with that with the in memoriam. I thought it was so. Incredible. You missed the and then they had the one. I mean, that was clad. And then they had the woman that was actually alive. Yes. That, that to me is like again yes. two. He, so who who are we going to blame? So no one got any blame for that. 
No. That's almost worse. It's like, hey, mom. For the, the, for the alive remember, woman, it is. Remember the year, mom, that they I put died. you up and you were dead? <laughs> like, how horrifying is that? You're home and you're like, I'm not dead. Uh, wait, I'm not dead. Wait, Am I dead? Hang on a minute. <laughs> let's bring uh, in Dana. Let's bring in we? Dana. I'm so excited. You know him, of course, from his stand up comedy. He's been a writer, a producer on The Simpsons, consulting producer on Parks and Rec. Uh, he wrote and uh, created the television series Stand Against Evil, which he also appears in. Um, he's been on so many, uh, you know, best comedian lists, I would have to say. And known as a comedian, comedian, ladies and gentlemen, bring on Mr. Dana Gould. And plus, I'm just so excited here because I, I, this may be the longest. We always talk. We, I don't want, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you're. You might hear better if you bring these on. I don't want to mess up your hair. <laughs> this but, is uh, a, just this is a toupee. <laughs> just this part. Just that right in the front. It's the it's the Clark Kent forelock toupee. That's oh, fantastic. <laughs> but uh, we've known each other for many years, and we're always sort of running into each other backstage. Yes, Largo usually at Largo or, or yes or something. And we talk, We always we talk about movies, and uh, not a lot of people. The, uh, that you can talk about Gloria Graham's lip to. Yes, that's that's what you mean that you put in the cotton. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, thank you. You know, that that's was... a see. Yeah. I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Do you know the Sunny Tuff story? No. What? Oh, I know. Now we're like two old women. Oh, we need a pack of merits and a coffee cake. <laughs> We got our king cake outside for Mardi Gras. Uh, very briefly, Sonny Tufts. I love showbiz stories. Sure. I love Sonny. And uh, Sonny Tufts was a B-movie actor. Um, uh, you know, he usually played, like, lovable thugs. And um, Joseph Cotton was announcing he was going to be on one of these Lux radio hours. And Joseph Cotton is reading the copy for the next week. And he's like, next week, uh, the show, uh, this person, this person, and... Sunny Tufts and he said it and as he said Sunny Tufts he looked at his name and it made him laugh and he said Sunny Tufts and l- bizarrely overnight it ruined Sunny Tufts <laughs> career <laughs> I kid you not because it became a punchline so if a comedian if a joke would die no. the comedian would go Sonny Tufts. Oh, that's fantastic. And everybody would start to laugh. And then Sonny Tufts started to go on talk shows. And they were like, ladies and gentlemen. Sonny Tufts. Sonny Tufts. And everyone laughing. And he'd say, I know it's funny, but it's really hurting my career. He started to get a rat. He became an alcoholic. Yeah, he gets he gets arrested for for biting a showgirl's leg. <laughs> it, it's Oh, who hasn't been arrested for that? But that's Am such I a right? that's such a classy forties uh, masher move, <laughs> down on all fours. Ah. Yeah, with a yeah masher, so, masher. So we were saying Gloria Graham and uh, in, yeah. inside showbiz stories and uh, and things like that. But I, 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 but yes, we always talk about that, of course. Uh, Planet of the Apes, and when Mickey Rooney died, uh, because you know the 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 very uh, racist performance, of Mickey, <laughs> yeah, Mars, yeah, this it was, great film, Breakfast at Tiffany's. People always 
go on and on and on about an amazing breakfast that Tiffany's is. It's such a classic. And then you watch it in the middle. It's like the the, the cook in McHale's Navy was portrayed with so much more nuance (laughs) and respect. There are racist Warner Brothers cartoons that are more sensitive to African Americans. Yes. And and Mickey Mickey Rooney Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany. And and I and I believe I told you this. My I had a uh, one of my managers early in my career, lovely, lovely gentleman. Yes. Uh, earlier in his career, he was a stage manager on Sugar Babies. Ah. Oh. And with he, Mickey Rooney with and Mickey, Ann Miller. And Ann Miller. Yeah. And um, he uh, said that Mickey would always be uh, picking his toenail, clipping his toenails, like lovely. thirty seconds. And just to drive everybody crazy. And he described Mickey Rooney's toenails as Jurassic, which I thought was wonderful. (laughs) I can't even. I got to meet Mickey Rooney. Yeah, he was at the opening of, um, and and same, uh, the director of um, Mary Poppins, who did uh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Yes. And they had, when they did the Disney uh, film that uh, Tom Hanks was in, they had a premiere for it. And, and oh, the, oh, okay. Yeah, well, he played Walt Disney. Right? Yes. Yeah. And they, uh, and, and Mickey, and I couldn't believe it. I was w- with a friend, and we, I said, there's Mickey Rooney. I said, I've got an in. He did a movie with my grandfather, Crabbins Courageous. And I came wow. over, I thought it was going to be a train wreck. And do you know that he was like, have a seat? And he sat down, he talked about Captain's Courageous. So oh, it was wow. A, it was a win. I do a three wow. word. Mickey Rooney impression. When is it? I can't do him, but I can do him voicing Santa Claus and Santa Claus is coming to town. I can do him as young Chris Kringle. Toys! Beautiful toys! <laughs> That's all I can do. <laughs> I get it. That would... Did you ever see him do the Frankenheimer, the comedians? The live version? Oh, the, yeah, the Rod Wait, Serling wrote. Yes. The Rod Serling wrote, of course. Yeah. Oh, God. I want to be big! That was a Twilight Zone, where he was the, uh, where he was the jockey. Yeah. I want to be big! <laughs> it was a good... Uh, John Frankenheimer said he was the best actor he ever worked with. Probably. Uh, it's yeah. Surprising. Well, uh, David, my manager, said... Uh, um, uh, well, you can't, can you use blue language here? Yes, yes you can. Do okay. it. Can. We're you in the movies. It. We yeah, can okay. do it. Uh, This story involves, I'm quoting Mickey Rooney, who used the F-bomb. Yes. And he goes, uh, David, come on in and I'll tell you about how I fucked my way across China with Red Grange. (laughs) On a war bonds tour. I think they just. I know. Everything today, everything today is very stayed. But the reason I got into show business was to hear great stories like that. You know, when you're, you know, to work with those stars that that say these crazy. Oh, they're great. Things were much racier before. Oh, yeah. Well, you read back. Like, there's nothing. Well, that's the thing that you learn in in life. And there's nothing new. Yes. Everybody's my favorite. One of my favorite stories uh, involving uh, Natalie Wood of the two, and one of them's terrible. But that, I, I bet the, I already know. Yeah, the other you one. do know the champagne tub where they yeah, yeah. where they go. They, they, Natalie Wood and Dennis Hopper and some other people were sort of methodically planning out an orgy, which I, I didn't know that you did. You know, you need Lionel Atwill to come down and really set the <laughs> set the rules down. Yes, famed orgy master Lionel Atwill, which is a military level that's gone to the dogs. Um, back when I was a kid, orgy master meant something. 
But they were literally like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then they filled a bathtub with champagne, and they all got in it, and Natalie Woods exposed uh, a body parts hit the champagne, which is a v- alcohol-based. Yes. And yes. it burned. Yes. Year. That was the end of their yeah. evening. And uh, you don't think of that. I've, well, I've certainly never been in that situation. Well, going back to Gloria Graham, I, I believe... We were going to have a, a, a benefit car wash or an orgy, and we ended up having <laughs> We ended wash. up with that. No, no, when you read these, I put I pieced together all the, uh, you know, who slept with who, and mm-hmm. who... It, sometimes it's shocking. Yes. You know, my, my grandfather, Melvin Douglas, I was... Uh, somebody was... I was talking to a producer, and he said... Um, uh, he says, well, your grandfather had an affair with Greta Garbo, and I said, I don't think so and he goes oh come on they did three pictures together <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like oh yeah <laughs> I guess you know like in those days yeah. I think it was doesn't speak well for June Lockhart and Lassie but we'll just let it go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a kind of code okay the uh, alright you know here we go here we I go. know I know just doing showbiz stories uh, my favorite question was she started off what was the first film you saw and who took you to it and how did it scar you the first <laughs> Movie I went to see yes. was, as you mentioned, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Yes. And I was, um, uh, I, for, for, it was probably 68 or 69 when I mm-hmm. saw it, I was four or five. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the commercials, and it was a knight lifted up his faceplate, and there was nothing in it. And I was and I was into horror movies that early. I was yeah. like, yeah, I want to see that. And I believe I went with my cousin Bonnie, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was it was fine. It wasn't the movie that 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 rocked me, but it was uh, I it I did uh, I loved uh, the whole thing. I I later worked in uh, in the movie theater that uh, I saw it in. See, I, I, I we haven't had a, a guest on where there hasn't because I always believe there's some bizarre thing wet cement in the brain and the mm-hmm. something about the early movie and it, it sets some tone yep uh of of some future you know knowledge or experience or well yeah i mean i not to get too airy fairy i i grew up in a bleak little mill town in massachusetts mm-hmm. and it was about as far from hope Hopedale. where is hopedale, hopedale. where is that uh, listed in the ironically named towns of america <laughs> <laughs> um it's about 50 minutes southwest of boston and uh-huh. it's just a little mill town it's a home of home to me and joe perry from arrowsmith oh okay yeah I know that. Um, I know that area though. That yeah. the, the mill town, Lowell, Massachusetts. Lowell, yeah, all out, all in the, they're all the same town out yes. by the, where the marathon starts. Yes, and uh, you know the there was I I was right away I was not into it. <laughs> you know, right? The, here, who know. put me here? Yeah, I don't. You know, it's like well, this is where you go to high school and you become an alcoholic and you work for at the foundry and it then you so die. It's so funny. I I very much relate to that because yeah, I, I had an ooh. existence too, like where I knew that I had did not. I knew I was like I should be living in New York. I don't know why. Well, but you grew up. I grew up in. Um, I was born in Massachusetts, and I oh, okay. grew up in in uh, Connecticut. And oh, okay. Same thing. Very rural. So I, even though you had show business in your family, you they, you, you didn't grow up here. No, they. Right. My grandfather lived in uh, Upper West Side, New York, and then all my uh, relatives lived in uh, Queens. Right. Okay. And uh, but so most of my movie, I had movie experiences in the rural, were at the drive-in. Right. And th- that kind of. Be still know. my heart. 
Yeah, or the 99-cent theater where it had already played for a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you saw Young Frankenstein. It was, like, the last of the last yeah, of yeah, the yeah, last, yeah. you know. That's really funny. Yeah, for 99 cents, you mm-hmm. know. On a double bill with... Definitely on a double bill. With du- Mother on, Jugs and Speed. Always on a double bill. Or, always, or always. Greased Lightning. <laughs> and I went to the... Did you go to the drive-in a lot? See, I, the, not only did I go oh, to the drive-in. The drive-in was a... That's what etched... It on to me, and me I later worked at this drive-in, and I still go to the drive-in. Um, um, and one of my there's a wonderful drive-in 50 minutes east of Los Angeles mm-hmm. called Mission Tiki, mm-hmm. and it's an old drive-in that we used to go to ironically in the 90s, right? Me and my friends, when it was like you could get knifed, <laughs> and and since then it's in Montclair, easily remembered because it's next to. Claremont. Oh. And it's out in the Inland Empire, or as I like to call it, God's country. <laughs> and yes. uh, and they have four screens, and it's completely renovated, and they have a beautiful snack bar, and it's all tiki-themed. And it's like going back in time. It's mm. it's a time machine, and that's my favorite thing. And um, my kids, we go in the summer. We go, uh, you know, at least two or three times a month, we go to the drive-in. Wow. And I love it now that my daughter, my oldest daughter, is like, hey, let's go to the drive-in. Which is great, and we just go, and uh, I I just adore it. There's again, there's something about it. the smell of popcorn, the, yeah. The the whole oh. it's just great. It's, it's such a nostalgic. Yeah, it's your best memories of your child. In my case, the, the best memories of my childhood are the driving. The 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 first movie that really like uh, mm. was um, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. which played at our drive-in, and which I. Um, made my parents take me to, which was no small task. Right. Uh, I was six or seven, the summer, early summer of 1971. Mm-hmm. So I was six. And uh, I had four older brothers and a younger sister mm-hmm. that was a baby at that point. And my parents are not into doing what we wanted to do. <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, I love parents were so different. Yeah, then. it was Mad Men. It was like, it was Mad Men. It was just like yeah. out of sight, out of mind. Yes. And th- there's a thing in 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 the first or second episode of Mad Men where they're having a party at the house, mm-hmm. and a kid runs through the house, and a, and a guy that's just in the house slaps the kid in the face <laughs> and tells him to slow down. Yeah. And it's utterly acceptable. I was like, yeah. yeah. That's where I grew up. Yes. Um, I remember that. And uh, oh. And I made them, and we went to the drive-in, and I saw Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And the second, I remember the second feature, which we did not stay for, which probably wouldn't have worked for me at the time as I was six, Bobby Deerfield, the Al Pacino car racing movie. Uh, But I remember it. I was six, and I still remember it. And and then, yeah, and then later in high school, I... The, the drive-in was owned by the local theater, mm-hmm. and I worked at both. I would, like you'd, you'd look at the board, and like some days you were at mm-hmm. the two-screen theater, some days you were downtown at the three-screen theater, or you were at the drive-in and you jumped around. It was all the same company, right? And um, and uh, yeah, and that's where I saw like summer of eighty-one and eighty-two. I saw all those Blade Runner, Wrath of Khan, all those movies. I saw. Did you? What was the movie that you saw? For me, it was Network. I saw the the movie Network was a movie that was more. Um, like I said, oh, it's something uh, more. You could actually make something artistic. Was there a movie like that? that well, you... the original Planet of the Apes, that whole thing. Uh, it's a great film. The original was a fantastic movie, yeah. and I enjoyed all of them in their various levels of quality. But um, <laughs> uh, 
It utterly transfixed me and galvanized me when I saw them advertised on television. Yeah. Um, it, it it just I was obsessed with those films and the way kids get obsessed about baseball. And mm-hmm. I didn't carry around a baseball glove. I carried around Marvel's Planet of the Apes magazine and 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 then I really get into horror movies. And the reason yeah. that I wanted to be an actor, uh, you know, was I wanted to act in horror movies. Oh really? Yeah. Did you want to be in like a Planet of the Apes? Yeah, I wanted type? to be. I I mean, wanted you to wanted be, to be the ape, or you wanted to be Charlton Heston? Well, I wanted to be Charlton Heston. I didn't have the figure for it, but <laughs> um, and I later met. I can tell you the story about meeting Charlton Heston, oh, which was please. fascinating. But oh, uh, God. yeah, I wanted to be Peter Cushing. I wanted to be. Oh right. Like, I wanted to be the guy that killed Dracula, and it, and I finally have achieved it. I had to. True to my career, I had to create the show. Like I had to become a writer, sell a show, <laughs> get the show on the give myself a tiny, tiny, tiny part. Yes, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've been a, 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 a Planet of the Apes fan all my life for everything except the Tim Burton movie. Oh right, I know. Well, it's too yeah. real. I don't know. And the other one had it's, such great actors, Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Did you get to meet Roddy McDowell? You you later? I, I yeah, just crazy. You have to. Yeah, I, I well, I have very weird story. I have three main crazy stories. Um, moving, moving chronologically. <laughs> yeah, through your yeah, um, your life defined yeah. by one film. Yeah, it, th- yeah, you could say that. I think you could it say is. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that speaks really poorly of me. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. What what did what did he do in life? He saw this movie a lot. <laughs> Anything else? My the, nothing to speak. You know of. why this is called? I blame Dennis Hopper because my father saw Easy Rider and emulated Dennis Hopper. Became ah. Dennis Hopper. So to me, that is the power of one film can really. Uh, also, what Natalie Wood screamed when she jumped out of the tub. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think a lot of people. A lot Blame of people him. blamed Dennis Hopper. Yes. Um, well, in uh, the late '90s, I had kind of achieved a level of notoriety as a, mm. as a comedian, and I was on a sitcom, and uh, you know, I was I was doing well, I was making a living, and I was on Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect, which was the show that preceded Real Time. Yes. And. I was on with Charlton Heston. Oh my and, god! Which is crazy. Too. Crazy. And, they, and when they told me, and when they told me that, I was like, "You know what this means to me, right?" And they're like, "What?" And I was the only one that knew. Like nobody at my manager or my agency like cared. And so I go there, and he came out separately. Like we're all seated, and then he came out separately. And I sat closer to him than I am to you now. Yes. And. He's, a, he's an incredibly imposing figure. Yeah. He's lar- literally larger than life. And <laughs> we had a back and forth about uh, guns or something. And I had recently been held up. And I said something about, like, well, I didn't believe in guns or school prayer. And then I had a gun in my face, and I believed in both really quick. <laughs> and they cut to the commercial. and But I, I like... I, he was making a point, and I interrupted him, and then it got a big laugh, and then they went to commercial. Oh. And he didn't get to make his point. Uh-oh. And, and it was just one of those things, like, I didn't even, it's just like the joke comes out of the mail slot, and right, you just right, jump at it. Comedians right. are otters. You yeah. know, we just jump. <laughs> and then he leaned forward. Oh, my God. And, and grabbed my arm. And I, was, and I was just like, no, 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 no. And I'm envisioning, if you ever do that again. Like, I am really, it's like, this is going to ruin a lot for me. Yeah. And he grabbed my arm and he went, 
So you're an actor. You're you're doing well. Clearly, you're you're on the show. Things are going well. And we had this lovely chat. Oh, my God. Come back from commercial. This ding dong doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and then, you know, we finished the thing. And then commercial again. And just like, you know... Uh, if you have a tough year, the Cobra plan on your insurance, I started that. It's like he, he could not have been oh more solicitous, more kind-hearted. Yeah. And then after the show, he was there with Lydia, his wife. Yes. And I said, uh, uh, I had a Christmas card that I had made with my face over an ape holding him on <laughs> And I said, I'll never forget this. I said, Mr. Heston, uh, this is a little dorky, but uh, this was my Christmas card. If, if you could sign it for me, I, I'd be great. And He's saying, Lydia, look what he crafted with scissors and a paste pot. Like, yeah, these antiquated phrases. You know, ingenuity. And, uh, and, but just like old school, like just so great. Yes. And, and signed it. And then he started to walk away. I have a witness to this. <laughs> he started to walk away. If anyone knows Rob Cohen, he's uh, Jill Lederman who produces Jimmy Kimmel Live. Rob yes. Cohen's Jill's husband. Rob was standing next to me when this happened. He started to walk away. He stopped, turned around, walked back, and clasped me by the shoulders. And he went, this might be dorky too, but I'd be happy to send you a picture from the film if you'd like. And I went, that would be amazing. He's like, give me your address. Fill it. It's like four days later, eight and a half by 11 envelope in the mail. Wow. And I can't read what he wrote. It really looks like he wrote, to Dana, happy couch, Charlton Heston. I don't, I don't know what it, it's an idiom. It's an old Yiddish idiom. But, but he That's was. incredible. Yeah, but he, he was, he was uh, in, incredibly kind hearted and, and, and lovely. And, and that really influenced me. Like when I'm in, in my piddly mm. little fame, when I meet people that yeah. like me, I'm always, like, I'm never. I'm always because this moment's about them. It's you know that moment was he knew that was about me. It wasn't about him. Yes. meeting him, and, and and that's really important. So that was that, and then you know you get into this out here in L.A. There's this sort of fandom world, and people know. And through friends of friends of friends, mm-hmm. I have my friend Brian, who was really good friends with Roddy McDowell, mm-hmm. who's the biggest Planet of the Apes fan going, bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, owns the lawgiver statue yes. from the, the nine foot statue that he bought at the Sammy Davis Jr. estate sale. Um, and it was given <laughs> to Sammy Davis Jr. by Arthur P. Jacobs, who produced the movie. Mm-hmm. And he has it in his house. And, and he was friends with, with Roddy. And, and, and he said, uh, uh, We're having a, a, like a salon for Roddy. This is uh, 98. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you should come. So I go, and Roddy was not like Charlton Heston. Uh, mm-hmm. He was, I think he was probably a little overwhelmed. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, you knew him well. Yes. And uh, Right at this time, actually, uh-huh. around 98, yes. X Moppet <laughs> yes. was his license plate. Yes. Yeah. He, was, he had a red Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, and the members only with the cuffs. Like, he, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah he, was, he was a... <laughs> like, the cuffs were, tur- I mean... Yeah. Yeah, just old, so old school. Yeah, white pants, white yeah. pants, white shoes. Yeah. That's what he's wearing when I, in oh. this photo. So long story, long story, painfully longer. I meet him and I'm now I'm kind of snarky, and I say, you know what? This is so perfectly. I go, you know what movie of yours? I love the cool ones, which is this 
terrible, like, late 60s. Yeah. If you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> and he basically plays Phil Spector. Right. Pre-murder Phil Spector. Uh-huh. And he went like this. It was so funny because he did something and then he caught himself and he went, Oh, when I God. said the cool ones. And then yes. he, likes it and he goes, actually, that's a very good film. And I still write the director. We send postcards. Oh. <laughs> and so. Uncle um, Roddy. Yeah. Uh, couldn't be nicer. Got a photo of him with mm-hmm. me standing with him in front of the lawgiver statue. <laughs> Later. And then to show you like how far removed my life is from my family of origin. I sent that picture to my parents. Like, mm-hmm. Look. Uh, you know, you. I used to harass you yeah. to take me to the drive-in to see these movies, and now yeah. I know the guy. Yeah. And my dad's response was, "Saw that picture of you and your queer friend." <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. And I was just like, oh, no. um, and then not, and then Roddy passed away in 1999, I believe, or nine, December 98, I believe, or 90, sort of. In, I think it was 99. Yeah, I think it, it was, was 99. Late 90s. He died. Uh, he lived across the street from Gene Autry, and they both died on the same day. Mm-hmm. How do I know this? Because I bought his house. Yes. Um, when Roddy died, the estate sold it to a guy who flipped it. My wife and I, at the time, we were uh, we didn't have children yet, but we knew we were going to have children. We were mm-hmm. looking at the house. It was it fit all the criteria. It was a little out of our price range, mm-hmm. um, but we were both working. You know, I was on the Simpsons, and yeah, you know, we were. I was like, we were. At the height of our power, mm-hmm. and uh, and the and the owner goes, well, it used to belong to uh, an actor. It used to belong to uh, uh, this actor named Roddy McDowell. <laughs> and I was standing, and I was standing here, and I can see my wife. I can feel her eyes like boring into me because it's also because it's also her father's favorite film. So it's like very. And she was like, well, that's it. There's no yeah, way. There's you no had way. to. Yeah. But they, they didn't have that. But he didn't, because at Roddy's house, he had the statue. He had the statue of Caesar yes. from Battle for the Planet of the Apes that was refurbished for him by my friend Brian. Yes. Who owns the Lawgiver statue. And that statue now sits in the Rose Garden at the Screen Actors Guild Retirement Home. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Which, right. Yes. And I did get a statue, uh, <laughs> in, in, again, the tendrils of my fandom of this movie. I uh, um, So Brian... Uh, had a mold made at Fox's request of mm-hmm. the nine-foot lawgiver statue. Right. And uh, a guy named, uh, uh, a special effects guy made the mold, and they mm-hmm. started to struck a mold because they wanted one for a Fox studio in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then this guy liquidated his uh, first stock, it was whatever. And uh, me and two other gentlemen who will remain nameless bought the mold <laughs> so like i'm now Ooh. part owner of a lawgiver mold uh and i had a bust of it uh by the pool in in the house yes which uh um was sort of like my nod to uh yes. to roddy now, and we have a little room and, and the bathroom uh the famous bathroom in the house mm-hmm. uh was also a little shrine to roddy yeah, that play, it was unbelievable. You used to have these dinner parties. Why is the bathroom famous? Well, uh, he had, uh, well, it's, it's, I, think, I think Robert Downey Jr. passed out in it once, ah. <laughs> pre-Iron Man. Uh, <laughs> but he had all of these amazing photos of, like, just Kodak photos of, like, Harrison Ford and Betty Davis in yeah. my kitchen. Yeah. Uh, a letter from Fox in a frame apologizing 
to him because they inadvertently submitted him for the Best Actor Award for Cleopatra, not Best Supporting Actor, which mm-hmm. they were convinced that he would have won. And all of these amazing things. This stuff, you can all see it because when he passed away, Paul Rubens said to the caretaker, like, mm-hmm. you have to save the bathroom. <laughs> and they literally took it in, took a bunch of photographs, took everything out of it, mm-hmm. and reconstructed it in the Max Factor Hollywood History Museum. Yes. When we bought the house, we wanted to restore it because it had a kind of a what I call an IKEA flip. <laughs> so we oh. wanted to restore it. So uh, we went down there and photographed it, and I saw all the stuff. And then, in in what we did to it was we just have a lot of pictures of Roddy and yes. the photo of me and Roddy and a letter that I, I bought at an auction that Roddy mm-hmm. wrote to a fan and in, in like the forties and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. Just like a, our little um, sop to Roddy. Um, Roddy also had these things called. And you meet Roddy, he was a big beneficiary of the Screen Actors Guild home. Mm-hmm. And he used to have these famous dinners at his house. Yes. And so we continued that. Oh, and we'd had, we'd I had never a, got an invite. Well, uh, we only did no. one, and, oh. and then, then I moved out of that. Oh, no, no. And then I moved out of that. Oh, no. No, 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 it's not a bad story. Okay. I'll tell you the whole thing. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> and so we had this an evening at Roddy's. And then... I was at a I was at an event at the at the Screen Actors Guild home, and I met his sister. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, "As my name is Tina Gould, I I live in in the house on mm-hmm. Brookdale, and um, we've restored it. And I just wanted to let you know that it's it's always open to you if you ever, for whatever reason, want to mm-hmm. come and see the rose bushes or whatever. It's so it's open to you." And she just went, "I think that would be weird." <laughs> I, know, like, oh, I love it. Go fuck myself. Yeah, you know, I, you know. I think I will go fuck myself. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna fuck myself right now. Well, when my my wife and I uh, got uh, divorced, not 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 horribly. We we have a great relationship. Um, uh, we both hate me. We have a lot in common. No, that's not. That's, uh, not, that's, that's not true. That's not true. Um, I said to my daughter, I said, well, do you want me to take this, this statue? The lawgiver statue was by the pool. And my daughter went, I go, do you want me to leave that here? And she went, no. <laughs> no. Because she's a girl. Yeah. So I took it to my new house, which oh, is right up the street. Funny. It's like the jerk. You're wa- yes. <laughs> it was a giant lawgiver. But it was just too big for my new yard. It's my, and I'm like, I literally, I'm looking at this thing going like, I have to get laid again at some point in my life. <laughs> So I I can't, so I gave it to my friend Dean, uh-huh. who is a writer on Real Time with Bill Maher and yes. is as big a Planet of the Apes fan uh-huh. as any. So much so mm-hmm. that his wife auditioned for and got in the new Planet of the Apes wow. uh, movies. Mm-hmm. She's Cornelia, Andy Serkis's wife in the new Planet of the Apes movies. Oh my God! Uh, and uh, every time she sees me, she says. You ruined my yard. Uh, <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. It's great. And a great actress. Okay, I know my only last thing is that it was very funny because you later went on Turner, Turner Classic Movies with our friend Ben Mankiewicz. Yes. And, and I've seen this as, incarnation. As and you can see it again uh, in I've seen next this month. incarnation. And do you know that I have... Were vid- you at the Wayne Fetterman show when I did it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, with Paul Williams. With Paul Williams. I actually right. have video of it from backstage. 
Oh, I would love to see that video. Yeah. I don't. It's very funny. I, yeah, one of my side careers is I become the world's leading Dr. Zayas impersonator. <laughs> impersonator. And I'm, I'm, doing it April, I'm doing it April 8th at uh, the Roosevelt Hotel Ooh. for the Turner Classic Film Festival. What? We're going to introduce uh, okay, the Okay, do people know that? Because I'm... Have you? Because I now, maybe I, you know, I blew it, but I you, know that's happening. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cause I, uh, I, we, you know, I, I well, yes, I know you yeah, yeah. So, I oh play God, him I'll like an there. old. I play him oh, like an old. Well, you saw it like an old celebrity, like an old great. celebrity you'd see on Merv. Just like it's, name dropping is a, yeah. you know, I live out in Santa Barbara now. <laughs> yes. Susie Flechette made me move out there. I, you couldn't get me out of Brentwood. And she goes, you got to come to Santa Barbara. And now I have horses. I have an Etsy store. I stay very busy. You can't get me out of the place. <laughs> but let me, a word of advice. I'll tell you right now, and you'll take it or leave it. Never buy a house from Jim Gregory. <laughs> uh, unless you want to stay in escrow the rest of your life. Because he's impossible. <laughs> oh, God. No, like, you wouldn't know Mrs. Miller. You have to do, before you do it, Very. did you ever see the Maureen O'Hara interview that Robert Osborne did? No. Uh, okay, Maureen O'Hara, you know, bless her heart, uh, is older and having some memory problems. And no matter what he, Robert Osborne asked her, she'd go, she'd <laughs> Charles Lawton brought me over from Ireland, you know, and he'd go, yes, that's lovely. And what were some of the other people? You know, Charles Lawton. Oh man! And it was like around, and everyone else was frozen. But of course, you know, I love stuff like that. And that's great. It's when an entire group of people, an entire group of people, just agree to not hurt someone's feelings. Yeah, that's kind of what the country's doing now with the president. Just, just (laughs) let him go. Just let him go. Um, Yeah, I ignore it. That's that's why I think we everyone. That's my theory. Was like the well, the Oscars we can get a handle on. Well, somebody always says, like, don't pay attention to what he says. And that's like taking to, <laughs> taking somebody to see a giraffe. Just don't look at its neck. What you it's all neck. How can you say that? It's all neck. It's the only oh reason it God. exists. I can't. It's like a bad movie come to life. Okay, yeah. now other obsessions yes. we share. But you obviously know him. I met him once and just stared at him yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, while he talked for 45 minutes uh, Is uh, with uh, Albert Brooks. Yes. The, the great Mr. Albert Brooks. Brooks. And before saying how you met him, um, growing up, like how did you come up, through records, through movies? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was aware of him, mm-hmm. um, and then around high school, you know, I knew who he was. I remember mm-hmm. it was on the Odd Couple. He played an ad man on the Odd Couple. Oscar, you are Mandar. <laughs> he played like the hip groovy commercial director oh, that's funny. on the Odd know, Couple. Yeah, I discovered him through Saturday Night Live. I think. Yeah, Saturday Night Live. I remember him on, and then, but when I got older, I was a comedian. This is like the late eighties, early nineties. I was a comedian. I was mm-hmm. working. I, I really got into like a deep dish comedy. Like I really started to like indulge my mm-hmm. interests uh, in the way that musicians like like a, a kid who wants to be a guitarist will start. You know, he'll he'll copy. Um, the, you know Keith Richards, mm-hmm. and then if he's worth his salt and really loves it, then that will lead him to Bo Diddley or Howling mm-hmm. Wolf, and and he'll track down his his influences, and he'll go to his influences' influences, and mm-hmm. and he'll go down further. And comedians do the same thing mm-hmm. if they if they're passionate about it. Then I went from the, and then I started to really, and then I get into all of Albert Brooks's stuff, and then you go down to all of Harry Shearer's stuff, and 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 Albert's interests, and then. 
um, and you know, modern romance was also like two years of my life. So when I saw modern romance, it was oh. really like I I did this. Yeah, um, and that was sort of more of a cult movie. I mean, now it's all become his, popular, yeah, but yeah. but of all of his movies, that's the movie that came out that not too many people knew about. Right, but we meet someone, and it was always a for me a bonding thing. Well, when I became friends with uh, when I met Ben Stiller. Before the Ben Stiller show, I'm, mm-hmm. um, uh, this is like '89. Um, I went to New York. I was visiting with my friend Janine Garofalo, mm-hmm. and she goes, "You should got to meet my friend Ben." And then, as and then I, yeah, I didn't know him. He's just Ben. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, and then mm-hmm. I, I knew who his parents were, which because I was a comedy nerd. Yeah. And um, and then we were both just talking. And the thing that everybody had in common was we all wanted to be Albert Brooks. Like we oh, and, and we could all just if I call Janine Garofalo right now, I haven't spoken to her in about seven months. Mm-hmm. At the end of the call, she'll go turkey dinner now, turkey dinner, <laughs> and that's from a Star Is Born. Yeah, that's from, you know, or or Comedy Minus One. It's from one of those other. Yes. one of those. And and we know every word of that album. You know, yeah, and, and that will be our that, Richie Havens. You know. Yeah, don't Reference. feed. It was the last man before the stage. Sign said that over his head. Last man before stage. Don't feed. Um, and uh, and and then and then uh, oddly through Janine, I met Albert Brooks uh, later, no. and then I met him at a, at, a, yeah. at the Aspen Comedy Festival. And to me, it's always like chatting with for for you know if the Beach Boys were. Chuck Berry's music. If the mm-hmm. Beach Boys were Chuck Berry playing behind the four freshmen, mm-hmm. which is Brian Wilson's math for the Beach Boys. Right. It's like I take four freshman harmonies and I put them on a Chuck Berry song. Mm-hmm. And that's the Beach Boys. Um, my stand-up is uh, George Carlin's material delivered by Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. It's it's the intensity of Albert Brooks, but it's my uh, sort of... Uh, but all the algorithms of my writing are George Carlin's algorithms. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, and 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 so he's a huge, uh, you know, uh, uh, influence. Uh, and it's when I talk to him, uh, and I, we're not friends; we're friendly uh, mm-hmm. because I was on The Simpsons for a long time, and he was there, and we'd be at parties together. And um, it, it's like chatting with the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's like, you know, it's like to me, I just I can't get over. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. th- there there. Are, two people in my career that called out my name in public and I got like freakishly chills by it. One was at a at a party and um, I was kind of looking at Simpsons party and I'm kind of peeking at him out of the corner of my eye and finally he went, hello Dana! <laughs> and I was just like, oh I didn't know you remembered me. And, uh, and once I was leaving a show at the Groundlings with my, my then wife and um, uh, Paul Rubens went "Good night, Sue, Good night, Dana! And it was like, oh my god, Paul Rubens just called her so crazy. <laughs> it was just one of those things. You're like, that just happened. That's really weird. Now, did you ever talk to Albert about any of his films or the writing? Because yeah, his well, films we, aren't the most cinematic, but they're obviously the scripts are so brilliant. Yeah, they're so brilliant. We we talked once. I had a really interesting story. We we talked about Stanley Kubrick a lot because mm-hmm. he loves Stanley Kubrick, and 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 he was uh, fr- uh, friends. Apparently, they were like uh, phone buddies for a while. And uh, to, I can only tell the story in my. I'll tell the story, but I'm 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 doing my impression of Kevin Pollock's impression of Albert Brooks. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, it goes. You have to you have yeah. to trace it down. Um, and it was uh, uh, and and uh, Stanley and I were friends. 
Jones. And I called him on the phone because I was, you know, he's an insomniac. I'm up during the day. It's four in the morning in London. He's up. We chat on the phone. And uh, I'm watching Johnny. And Scatman Crothers is on. He's promoting Bronco Billy. But and he sits down with Johnny and goes, "How was it working with Clint Eastwood?" And Johnny, goes, Johnny, I did a one take and Clint Eastwood said, "Cut, print it, let's move on." And I started crying, Johnny. I started crying. And Johnny goes, "Well, that's crazy. Why'd you do that?" And uh, Scatman goes, "Stanley Kubrick made me get out of a snowcat eighty-seven times." And, and I go, this is this is amazing. So I call up Stanley, and I go, Stanley, it's Albert. Scatman Crothers is dragging your name through the mud on the Tonight Show. And Stanley erupts from across the ocean. Don't ever work with Scatman Crothers. <laughs> but I, try, I was trying to be smart. I was going, like, well, you'll do stuff like like in. I was trying to be smart. Yeah. I was going like, you know, the scene in Modern Romance when you're on Quaaludes and you're playing the records, that's all one take. Mm. You never cut. Right, and I go. That's like when uh, Pool and uh, the other astronaut are in the are in the pod mm. in two thousand one talking, and he goes, "No, no, no. That's Hal not blinking. <laughs> Humans blink. Hal can't blink." And I was just like, "Of course, well, you're a lot smarter than I am." Uh, <laughs> and rapid, I'm sure he, as you see, you know, rapid fire without even. Oh, he's free. Yeah, he's he's a phenom, and uh, I'm. Uh, it's crazy that I got to meet him. Uh, it's uh, to me, it's it's crazy that I got to meet him. So if he, and I got to meet George Carlin. I got to to meet and kind of know both of my big comedic influences, which is not something I take for granted. Well, I can see the Albert uh, Brooks reference because he does the uncomfortable sort of comedy, which I love, yeah. which is very human. You know, you find yourself yeah yeah at odds with you know. Is there something like when you're in life, you know, obviously every day you go through life and you say every incident, you say, this is funny or this is this is not it's the, funny or. Well, to me now, it's uh, it just kind of comes. I've been doing I, I'm, I'm, I'm 52 and I started doing stand up professionally when I was mm-hmm. 17. So, like, it, it's kind of second nature now. Right. And, um, I'll know. And, and I'm weird about things like I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm very careful about what I talk about. Like, I don't talk about my my d- divorce or anything in, in any way other than myself. Because mm-hmm. uh, there are people in your life that, uh, you know, didn't ask to be. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and in all honesty, my, 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 in that particular situation, it's not very rewarding comedically. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty uh, ad- adult. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but uh, yeah, like to me, uh, whatever triggers you uh, will 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 trigger something. I was literally this is my this is my new favorite bit, mm-hmm. um, where I was uh, literally listening to the news and there was a story about a woman in North Carolina and it was during the uh, hurricane mm-hmm. and uh, her house was filling up with water <laughs> and but she couldn't go outside because the water outside of her house was filled with snakes and alligators <laughs> and uh i'm not here to judge anybody <laughs> but if you're going to drown in your own home because the water outside is filled with snakes and alligators you did something. <laughs> Life is not that cruel. You know, like, I'm sure even the National Guard is like, go on, we'll lower a ladder. I can't. The water is filled with snakes and alligators. <laughs> Jesus Christ, lady, what the hell did you do? 
And then it spins on and on. And that's very much an Albert Brooks routine. Like, yeah. my, the intensity and the rhythms are all are all Albert Brooks's. And how do you find... He might not think that, but in my mind it is. Right. In my mind it's all the Richie Haven story. Yes. The way he tells that story. Yeah, when I was acting, when I first started acting, I I just did Richard Dreyfuss, which I wrote about. You know, like that was my thing. Yeah. And and there was a progression because I loved Groucho Marx. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, but I sort of grew out of it, the Uh Marx Brothers, and then I discovered Richard Dreyfuss in The Goodbye Girl. Right. And that became my comedy timing right that i absolutely absolutely that yeah. i did until i had to work with him <laughs> you know like <laughs> that's my rule sister yeah that well that's I, yeah. I couldn't yeah i i couldn't stop i was supposed to be doing a serious scene and it was like i was so miscast because i was i all i wanted to do was laugh because he had the the time right you know, but did you and you also think i see why robert shaw hated you <laughs> <laughs> i Get along with the challenging ones because I understand. I I don't. I do not judge. And again, sure. f- comes from having a crazy upbringing. Yeah, you, of you have to remain calm at all yeah. times. Uh, you know, and uh, so that's. I always think no, that I just like know how to be like. I wait till the tirade is over, and then I just go. Okay, great. You know, like, uh, sure, ready to go. Tell me, you know, and I, I know how to not, just non, yeah. non-response to drama. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's all. Uh, I well, also in my instance, growing up in a, in a, a family full of uh, people that were often drunk. Uh, now, I, do like, you say that? Do you do? How, how does your family feel? Because they don't know. Oh, they, 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 they don't even watch. No. <laughs> No. Yeah, they're, they're not barely, even aware like no, how not. successful you are. Not really. That is, is just, well, that's sad. That makes me um, sad. But that's the. But that's that could is that is that when I'm on Fox News, they'll suddenly be very aware of me. But is that the root of then the comedy becomes the root of the certain unfairness, like the woman with the snakes, in a sense. Yeah, There's and a certain and, uh, well, arbitrary. Like you said, you were placed in the wrong home. You should have yeah, been. Yeah, and and you know to to get very like psychological about it. Like you know, I was a, a small kid with four huge older brothers, mm-hmm. and when we got into adolescence, they were in their teen years, mm-hmm. and they were drunk and they were you know bullying assholes. Mm-hmm. And I hate bullies. Right. And so this particular presidency really triggers a lot of stuff in me. Yes. And uh, you know, and fortunately, I have my my show to mm-hmm. my comedy to. To vent about it, but it it does. Uh, I, you know, those are, those are, uh, uh, and and stand up was absolutely a way to to mm-hmm. survive. I mean, it's you don't even. And did you, you don't al- need Freud to solve that puzzle? <laughs> did you always have such a facility with words? You know, like again, just pulling a word like paste pot. Like I'm still thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, I wrote it down. I'm still, you know, because like I think he said it. I, no, I, but that's but that's what. That's what I, I love good, I about. A, your... I have a good memory, and I read. Well, I re- see. I didn't play sport. You know, I didn't play sport. Everybody, all the guys in my family, like they, played, right. they were athletes. My dad was scouted by the Cleveland Indians mm-hmm. as a as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Ended up uh, the Korean War interrupted. Uh, my brother was an all state baseball player. I and then they hunt and they fish. And that's their life. To I just the, like I mean that the idea yeah. of you out there I'll, with I'll a show gun you, I'll going show you a the wrong way. My, and, I'll show you a picture of my dad and my brother, and if, and you will not believe that they're my dad. And my and you brother. weren't switched at the hospital. No, or? I no because I look. <laughs> no, because I look. Ex- I look exactly. <laughs> 
like my father. Oh no, which is really weird. Oh, and so we have, he must really hate you. Uh, no, we have a gr- <laughs> we have a we have a great relationship I'm kidding, now. I'm I, I know, no, no, we have a great relationship now. Um, but uh, um, you know, because I did not play sports and I did not hunt and I did not fish, they yes. thought I was gay. Like they couldn't, they couldn't conceive that a heterosexual would not do that stuff. Yeah. And and, and really, like, it took a long time. Like, like, and I, you know, at one point, I was like, I'm gay if that's what bothers you the most. But, yeah. You know, whatever bugs you the most. But um, I could never stay in that good a shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, the, what my dad understands is the only thing preventing me from being gay is my love of bread. but 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 but, uh you know doing uh stand-up is is it was the tool that i used to sort of comment on that and i just read all the time as a kid i was Mm -hmm. reading planet of the apes magazine and famous monsters magazine Mm -hmm. when i was a kid and i just and that led me to reading you know like robert louis stevenson and bram stoker and i was reading all these monster movies and monster books right and constantly reading as as a kid and all that stuff just stuck it's interesting we say that about albert brooks because i did the same thing so if i'm reading about groucho marx and then Groucho Marx mentions, uh, you know, I, I like Goodman Ace. I'm like, I, I don't know who yeah. Goodman Ace is, but let me look it right. up. So that right. becomes, you know, or you go, like I read Dorothy Parker, and then, okay, I'm done with Dorothy Parker, and then that leads me to someone else. To, to Robert else. Benchley, and, and then exactly. to Peter Benchley, and then to Richard Dreyfus. Yes. There you <laughs> you <go>. connected it. <laughs> um, I don't think Robert Benchley and Peter Benchley really <laughs> They might be. You never know. Okay, so two things I want to talk about, because I was very... When we were uh, working together on the show, Fired, I loved the story that you told, uh, and I sort of ended up doing... Because I thought, that's so weird. I'm going to steal that idea. (laughs) Even though it's that springboarding a career as an actor... To becoming what you really wanted to do, which is to be, uh, you know, writer, producer, right. director. Well, and it was the, it was the, it was the inverse. I, yeah, I wanted to be a movie star. Right, I, I wanted to be a famous actor. Yeah, who doesn't? And so, right, of course. But a so, famous actor like forties, fifties that didn't exist anymore, like me. Like I wanted to be Eve Arden, but right, yeah, like I, I wanted. To, like, I didn't even want to be a no fam- I didn't even want to be a famous actor. I just wanted to be an actor that was so successful. That I could be in the kind of movies that I like to go see. Do you have like, an example? Like for me, to, Steve Buscemi, uh, John Turturro have the greatest. I got, agree completely. Yeah, like that's what I want. You know, yeah. but to me, like I would like to be so. Like I want to be the star of Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I'll become a successful writer, mm-hmm. and I'll become. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll become. A, I'll become an. I'll be an actor. Yeah, and I'll become so successful that. They'll let me write the movies that I want to do. Yeah. Like, instead of just becoming a goddamn writer. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. It's well, that's because like, that's much yeah. harder. Yeah, it is. It was just like, it, it's sort of like the, the theory behind it is being like, I want to be a pastry chef. And if I'm elected president of the United <laughs> States, they'll have to let me bake anything I want. <laughs> you know, that was, it was a very backwards approach to, uh, to, to becoming a writer. And I realized I could just become a writer. Is that because you are more interesting than the parts you would be cast into play? 
Like, is there a certain boredom level? Because I, when I think I of you any... acting, I, I mean, I love some of the, you know, I haven't seen I'm you in a, a lot of things. Well, I'm but... not an actor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. But you're very funny on I'm a camera. That, yeah, I'm a writer that does some acting. Uh, you know, that's, I, I don't have a passion to be uh, on the, you know, I, I don't have a passion for, like an actor will, if he's not doing a movie, he's doing a play. You right. know, it's like I have a passion for acting. Mm-hmm. I'd rather blow my brains out than do a play. Uh-huh. I did. A, I did a one man show, and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, we did this last night. Why am I doing it again? <laughs> well, I really, yeah, I really, yeah. Plays are hard. Yeah, plays are hard, and uh, and <sighs> I know. Uh, but I love, you know, I, I love creating worlds, and I love creating. So I'm pretty good at it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, over the years, I picked up some skills, and uh, and then I really love doing that. So uh, like. Like Stand Against Evil, my my little TV show, mm-hmm. is uh, you know what if uh, I love horror movies and I have my life, so I put them together. What if mm-hmm. my dad had to fight monsters? What if mm-hmm. my dad was Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. instead of an innocent teenage girl? It was an old racist guy that that believed in monsters and just didn't care, right. <laughs> you know. And, that, and that's what the show is, um, and uh, it's a sitcom trapped in a horror movie, and uh, and that's I'm good at that, and I enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then because the show is successful, I did give myself the little part that Steve Buscemi would play in the movie. Right. Uh, I'm the uh, the caretaker of the cemetery, but that has this incredibly interesting life that nobody ever cares about. It's like you know, yes. the, you know, when I was, I lived for four years in a monastery. On Machu Picchu. Excuse me one minute, please. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever cares. Did you ever listen? Were you ever a Peter Sellers fan? Did you ever I listen Peter, I was a huge... to his records and the characters? Well, I know the goons. I know the, I know the yeah. goon show and stuff. And again, the goon show is one of those things that I discovered because I loved Monty Python. Right. And Monty Python led me to the and, mm-hmm. and the Beatles. Yes. I discovered the the goons who like reading about the Beatles, George yeah. Martin goes to the Goon Show. George Harrison. Yeah. Yes. They were all f- fans of uh, of that. Yeah. The uh the story that you told, I, I don't know if you can do a truncated version of it, but the, the Jimmy the Idiot. Jimmy the Idiot. I was I was. I used to stand. No, again, I got to brag on you because, like, I, I, uh, there our producer Anna, uh, Anna, Annabelle Gerwitz. Annabelle Gerwitz. I know too many Annabelles. I almost said Annabelle, Annabelle Sciorra. No, <laughs> the other Annabelle I know. But she would always get mad at me for. I was between. I had. It was like you and then Paul Feig and Paul Tompkins. And I every night I was just learning to be a writer. So I was like, oh, I got to change that. I got to because I would get inspired because I would hear your. Fun <laughs> Story. I thought your story was so funny, and I would always follow you. But I'd stand in the wings, and then it gave me a lot of courage. I would have to say that, you know, doing that show because yeah, it, sure, you, yeah, you yeah. were somebody that again I really admired. That there oh. was just the beginning of people like, oh, I don't just have to be an actor; I could actually write my own material. Yeah. And I think that for you, that was really a turning point in, in oh. terms of later getting on for The Simpsons. Anyway, I interrupted yeah. you. No, your great story. Uh, well, anyway, I was you know again trying to. Be an actor, so I could become a writer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, I, I it is, uh, you have to back it up. I was at, I was at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Yes. Now 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 extinct. Now We're, extinct. Yeah. yeah. And it's th- th- that's an executive. Where do people need stand up comedy? Aspen. <laughs> 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 the existential agony. You'd of always see someone really Aspen. famous walking around in a cast. He would. I was in Aspen once, and these people, they're on the corner, and they have these backpacks with hoses, and they give out hot chocolate. 
and they give out hug and and uh, I go, uh, how you doing? It goes pretty good. I go, uh, I go, uh, everybody doing okay? Because yeah, yeah, people are great. People are great. So, <laughs> Met any assholes? Garrison Keeler. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that's always. Oh, that was the greatest. Again, another when show business used to be fun. Just a great place where people would try out material and. Oh, uh, it's great. Yeah, and so I was. Anyway, I was at Aspen and I was hanging out with John Landis, who I had written some stuff for. Yes, the director, the director who made one of my favorite movies, *An American Werewolf in London*, and uh, and. Uh, he was there for the anniversary of Animal House, mm-hmm. and all the cast, the surviving cast, was there. And my friend Lisa Lane Gang, who booked the festival, said, "There's a big party at John Peters Ranch. <laughs> it's already tomorrow <laughs> afternoon, and everyone's going to be there. And they want to know if you want to do stand up. Oh. And I'm immediately, and I'm going to, nah. and as I say, as I have my tongue on the top of my lip, John Landis goes, "Of course you'll do it." Yes, he is doing it. Oh. And then he said, you can't not do it. And so, like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Okay. Um, John Landis, what are I going to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up, so, John Landis. Yeah. So I go there, and it's hell on earth. It's a giant, I mean, Peter, John Peter, just imagine, imagine. what his place looks like. And there's yeah. a circus tent and a stage at the far end of the circus tent, and everyone in show business who was alive at that time clustered to the back of the tent. Ladies and gentlemen, this one of the comedy signs of Data Gold. Well, just before I go on to mm-hmm. end my career, yes. <laughs> John gets the entire cast of the Animal House and marches down the front of the tent and sits in the front table. And then everybody follows mm-hmm. down. And... The lawyer played by John Travolta in the O.J. miniseries. <laughs> yes. Uh, whatever his name was. Yes. I can't think of his name. Um, uh, Shapiro. Shapiro. Robert Shapiro. Robert was, Shapiro. Was there. Yeah. Was there. And this was God. right after the, this was like two years after the trial. So it's like a year after the trial. 97. And I go, there's a thank you very much, Robert Shapiro. Just one question before I start. Mr. Uh, Robert Shapiro is here. Just a quick question. No big deal. What were you thinking? And he... Because I had, not, I was like literally like I'm on the end of a, I'm walking, I'm on the end of the plank, and I've got the ocean full of sharks, and I better do something, yeah, yeah. and that just cracked like a, a thunder clap, and I had like the set of my life, and I got a ton of jobs off that. I've got like four movies off that one stand-up show. That's incredible! Yeah, yeah wow. like crazy because of John Landis, but because John wow. Landis made me take a chance, and. Um, they were casting a TV series called Working, which uh, Fred, it was Fred Savage's mm-hmm. first show after The Wonder Years. Mm-hmm. And it was like The Office, but before The Office. Right. Um, and it was sort of surreal. And so they had a role on the show of just like a guy that would, would just be come in to be funny. There's no character there. He was mm-hmm. just like a joke delivery system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Jamie Widows, uh, and, and by the t- by that time I had started to get work as a writer, and mm-hmm. things were sort of going. And they said, uh, and they said uh, they want you to come in and audition for this this role. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I was mm-hmm. making money. And I was like, well, Jamie Widows called you in, and mm-hmm. I said, okay. Well, I love Jamie Widows. He's a lovely person. Director, also from uh, Animal House. Yeah, he was. That's how he. Yeah. That's how he saw me because he was at John's table, and um, and uh, he saw me on that show, and mm-hmm. he brought me in. 
And uh, I came in and, and read, and there was no real character there. It was just jokes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I had to go test at the network, mm-hmm. and I was testing against no one. <laughs> so, so literally, like, if, if I didn't get it, it would be they chose no one <laughs> as better than me. The air would have been, air and silence would have given a better performance. Um, and I got on this sitcom. And one week my character was in Mensa, and the next week he was replaced by a chimp, and no one noticed. It was just like, it was just nothing. And I kept wanting to complain because I knew enough about it. I was like, this is, this is not working. This yeah. isn't, oddly, that was the name of the show. And I was like, um, and I was like, I, I, I can't figure out how to do this. But, right. But I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. I'm making yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't want to rock the boat. And then, like, again, like one week I'm crazy, one week I'm dumb, one week I'm smart, one week I'm not. And I'm just doing the best I can. And my, my parts get smaller and smaller and smaller because oh. I'm not registering mm-hmm. because I'm not playing anything. And, mm-hmm. and then it just got down to like, you know, you just like pop up out of a corner. If he knew our address, he could deliver the milk. <laughs> go back. You know, it's like, you know, and, and, oh uh, God. and because I didn't speak up, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, at the end of the first season, I got fired because it wasn't working. Uh, which I could have told them. Yes, but I. But the money truck. But that would. I didn't want to risk the money truck going away. Well, so I learned a little lesson there that you. There's a way to to say. There's a way to say it. Yeah. Uh, uh, constructively. Uh, and, and and now I would have gone like is is there anything I can do to mm-hmm. uh, I don't feel like I'm connecting is it me let's you know but at the time it was just all fear right and I think if this and 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 the lesson to learn is, re, is a good reflection on where we are like in terms of the, the last election mm-hmm. decisions made in fear tend not to be the best <laughs> oh, <decisions>. God. <laughs> Yes, well, we could have seen that. All right, we don't have much time left, but I, I want to briefly, of course, talk about The Simpsons. The Simpsons does so many movie references. Yeah. And, I mean, that's like, you know, being a member of the Yankees, I would say. Yes, it's, it's terrifying when you start on The well, Simpsons. Well, you started it. This, I'm very curious because we're talking about process here. And, uh, I mean, I know what it means, but, but you were hired originally as a punch-up right. guy. And explain what a punch-up guy, what does that mean um, exactly? A punch-up guy is you, just, you go in and you, you work on jokes. You make jokes better. Mm-hmm. It is no... So you look at a script. Yeah. And, and you just punch up the jokes. Make them punchier. Make them better. But don't people get mad at you? Like they go, well, no, that was... No, no, they don't. It was and pretty... It, I thought it was pretty funny before there, Dana there was Yeah, there was one guy... <laughs> On the entire staff, that if you're if you think your words are precious, yeah, you do not belong on a writing staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that was great about The Simpsons was that nobody's words were precious. Mm-hmm. And I was hired because my friend George Meyer was a fan of my stand-up, mm-hmm. and he heard that I was you know looking to become a movie star by way of being a writer. <laughs> so they brought me in uh, to punch up and. Um, and uh, you know if you're and if I would pitch something that was not funny, th- mm-hmm. they would not laugh politely. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and the belief is, no, you're here, you're good. Yeah, we're not gonna, we don't need to waste time with that baloney. Right. Um, I remember one time pitching something. It was George is, is is one of the most brilliant comedy writers I've mm-hmm. ever met, 
And um, we were trying to get something, and, and we couldn't get it, and they pitched something, and George went, yawn. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, but, but you know, you're in the... Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're in the, you know... It's you're like, just trying to be... It's like a mathematical problem. Yeah, and, and but you're, it's like, no, you're. I know you're good. I'm not going to kiss your ass. You know you're good. You're here. Right. You know, if, if you pitch crap, I'm going to let you know. And, uh, and so I was working for a couple of months as a punch-up writer every... Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then at the end of like four months or whatever, Mike Scully, who was running the show, uh, was a great, great guy and, and and another truly hilarious writer, uh, came in and said, uh, "I think your contract is up," and I was literally like gathering up my stuff, like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," <laughs> and, and he goes, uh, "You just want to come every day?" Aww. and I went, "Yeah," and I went, "All right, I'll call your agent," and then he turned and walked out, and he just went. Sucker. <laughs> and that's, you know, I know people like it's their dream to work on that show and they write 400,000 spec scripts and it never happens. So I, I understand why people hate me for that story. Well, like it says, like playing for the Yankees. I mean, yeah. now you're. I always like it to Billy, your, your first day there, your first kind of, you know, couple of weeks there, you feel like like when, when Billy Preston walks in on the Beatles on Let It Be and he's going to play with them. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, I'll just play with you guys. <laughs> what, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, it's like this is horrible. This <laughs> horrible feeling. You know. And do you have a do you have a sketch? Because I always think you were sort of part of the resurgence of of the show. It was I on. Guess I don't. Well, it, I mean, it goes in cycles. Yeah, everything yeah. goes in cycles, yeah, goes and in then cycles, it kind of really yeah. hit its stride. A uh, lot of mu- lot of music musicality. Do you yeah, think that he was were- Mike Scully? That was Mike Scully, and I w- I cheered him on because Mike Mike was a guy. You know, there's a um, Mike is not a Harvard Lampoon guy, mm-hmm. um, and he has a different pers- uh, pers- uh, like sort of world perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, Mike uh, is a is a is, I can't say enough good about him. Uh, he's just a working class guy who loves music mm-hmm. and loves being funny and is you know I, we we would talk for hours about how great the ghost of Mr. Chicken is like oh, he's, he's not nuts. he's not snotty about comedy like he yeah. just loves stuff that he loves and uh, and and yeah we were just like we re- we realized like if we would write a celebrity that they would come <laughs> it's like who do we want to meet <laughs> like oh let's put God. Elvis Costello in the show <laughs> hey Elvis Costello's here today that's like, amazing uh, let's meet Patrick McGowan. Did you have any favorites? Well, Elvis, yeah. I mean, Elvis was was really. Yeah, I mean, he was. He's eighty percent of my music library, and Uh, uh, so yeah, I I got got to meet Elvis and uh, um, Patrick McGowan, which I really couldn't wait to meet. Wow. um, Yeah, it was it was uh, it was great. We were just like, Mike got like because of Mike Keith Richards and Mick Jagger were on the show. He was like, want to do the show. All right, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, it was nuts. Were there? Uh, do you have like a, a, a an episode that you would look back on as one of your favorites? Oh yeah, well I think the funniest episode I wrote was the first one I wrote, which was mm-hmm. called Homer the Mo, mm-hmm. and it's based on my dad's uh, life when he was a he moon was a moon, moonlighted as a bartender when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, and and Homer took over Mo's, and it was much like the bar that my father ran. And, yeah. Uh, and that had a really, uh, uh, I was just like, had a ton of great jokes in it, and, mm-hmm. and I was really happy with it. The best episode I wrote was not, was not the funniest one. It was called uh, Goo Goo Guy Pan. Mm-hmm. And it was when the Simpsons went to China to adopt a baby for Marge's sister, mm-hmm. uh, Selma, uh, because it was based on my experiences adopting my daughter from mm-hmm. China. 
And the baby, Ling Bouvier, on the show that recurs as a mm-hmm. character, is designed on my daughter's baby photo. I brought it into the animators and I went, make her look like that. Aww. And so now that daughter is <laughs> that daughter's 14. And she lo- she's hilarious and, and great. And she loves Bob's Burgers. <laughs> she was watching The Simpsons. Waiting for Bob's Burgers to come on. And her character, and Ling Bouvier was on. I was like, honey, that's you. She goes, yeah. And I go, no, that's you. I wrote the episode that that character came from, and she's designed on your baby photo. She Mm -hmm. goes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, fine. Get over yourself. That's, so do you share? Did did she get the comedy genes? You know the my kids are there's no genes. They're adopted. She's from China. She's well, I know, from but by, China. But by uh, but by uh, osmosis. Yes. Na- I guess nature nurture. I don't know. You talk about like turns of phrase. Uh, we were in the mall a couple months ago, mm-hmm. me and her sisters, and uh, I s- snuck into a parking space. Like mm-hmm. boop, snuck it, and she's 14 years old. She went, Dad, you snuck into that space like a rat boarding a ship. Oh come on, that sounds just like you. I know. I couldn't believe it. I got like thrill. I was like, it was, it was great. Write that down. Write yeah. that down. Oh, for we have a book. We have a book. Oh, that's we so funny. Now the the, um, uh, the last thing I was going to ask you was we were interviewing Bobcat Goldwaith, who, yeah. who like again recently you know starts to go back and do stand up again, mm-hmm. and you've gone back and done stand up again. Is yeah. it fun going back? I mean, you know our you know our weird our weird connection. Bob's in my weird connection. No, oh, well, For, we're we're very close. Right? I was yeah. Um, we started off in Boston. Um, he was ahead of me, but I, I've known him since I started. Uh huh. And if there's one thing that I love uh, close to as much as I love Planet of the Apes, it's um, it's Ed Wood and, yeah. and that whole world. Mm-hmm. And years ago, I came into possession of uh, an autographed eight by ten of Ed Wood from before he directed Plan Nine from Outer Space that has his resume on the back. Oh my god! And it has like you know uh, <laughs> things I've written. You know the the guy is a gal characters, young yeah. sweater girl. Like it's all there. It's all there. <laughs> and it's the photo of Ed Wood that. Bob has on his arm. Bob has a tattoo yeah. of Ed Wood on his arm. And it's the same photo, that sort of matinee yeah. idol picture. And I and you know, when I got to, when I got divorced and I gave my lawgiver statue to Dean Jones. Uh to John, Dean Johnson. Sorry, Dean Jones from Mary <laughs> <laughs> Not Dean Jones, Dean Johnson. Um I gave that photo to Bob Goldthwaite. I was just like, I'm getting yeah. rid of a lot of stuff. And and it was just two really things funny. I gave it to Bob and he was like it was like this will be no better place than than for you. Yes, uh, you you can have this, and he was so moved, and we're both like, and we both say like, it's weird that we're not gay, like like <laughs> we're so, and 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 I felt really great giving it to him, and mm-hmm. and uh, and and then Jonah Ray, who's a comedian as well, and mm-hmm. loves that stuff as much as we do, like called me up and was like, are, are you okay? I was like, yeah. And he goes, you want to talk about it? Okay. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And eventually I got it out of him that 
He heard I gave away the lawgiver statue, and then he heard I gave, I gave away oh. my Edward thing. He thought I was getting ready to kill myself. <laughs> oh my God! Well, why are you laughing? I hear about all these stories about people giving all this stuff away wow. and they kill themselves. No, and then in, in, with comedians. But then here's the la- the last thing in the way that you know if you if you give out to the universe, things come back, and, and all the time. Absolutely. Um, since then. Someone without me, you know, Bob didn't ask for the photo. I just yes. tapped him on the shoulder. And said, you should have this, and I and it was the right thing to do. Yes. Um, somebody gave me one of the flying saucers from Plan Nine from Outer Space. Wow! That they had yeah. in their like private museum, and mm-hmm. it was up in Seattle at that. Microsoft dude science mm-hmm. fiction museum mm-hmm. and I did a live read of Plan 9 from Outer Space at a local theater as a benefit and we had a little display of props and things like that and when I went to give it back to this person they went now nah, you should have that you should keep that Aww. Wow. and so I have when you watch Plan 9 from Outer Space one of those flying saucers is in my house with the little is the little string attached the whole the whole of the string was attached oh my god yeah. see that's the that would be the yeah. amazing part yeah the hole's there well, Dean, this is so hard to, to... I could just keep talking to you endlessly, but um, I'm going to... And I could keep talking endlessly. That's the sad part. I will... What, did, you, what, did you have a favorite movie this year that you saw? Any favorites? It's very difficult because most of the movies I see, I see with my kids. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> you know, that's... Like, um, but I'll... Uh, uh, I... You know, they didn't get in the in the big was. I thought a monster call yes, was fantastic. My favorite movie of the yeah, year. Yeah, I, I thought that was was that Liam was the Neeson, movie that right. Yeah, yeah, and that was the kind of movie that Tim Burton yeah. would make if he still if he still tried. Right. Um. And uh, I just thought that was brilliant. And I'm trying to think of I agree. other. I uh, thought that was a beautiful movie. Mm. Yeah. I've talked about uh, I Daniel Blake, was a British film nobody saw. Yeah, no. Well, nobody saw any of the movies that were nominated this year because it's very I hard see to get them a, all. It's very hard to to get a movie made if Iron Man is in it. Like you yeah. could do today if you wanted to do an adult, mm-hmm. like an adult serial comic movie. Right. You couldn't make Bob and Carol Ted and Alice mm-hmm. today, but you could make Bob and Carol Iron Man and Alice. <laughs> Really, really different. <laughs> that would be a different film, definitely. Oh my god, I can't top that. That, that. Would work. That was so great. Uh, you can find Dana on so Twitter good. and on Instagram at Dana Gould, and his yes. website is danagould.com. Yeah. Thank you, Dana. I got in on all those early. I noticed. I was like, oh my gosh, lucky. Uh, you can buy Ileana's book, I Blame Dennis Hopper, on Amazon and in bookstores. It's yes. out of paperback now. You get a free copy. Um, oh, also, like our page on Facebook, check out our website. Ileana'spodcast.com. Yes, and like I always say, everyone's life has a beginning, a middle, and an end, just like a movie. And sadly, this is the end of our show. But thanks so much for oh, I being. You're going to say sadly, this is the end of your life. She's selling stuff. That would have been perfect. No, no, no. You know, she next. murdered me, but she did it beautifully. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to stay here just for spite. I feel like there are people that want me to kill myself, and I'm like, oh no, no, too bad. I'm, I'm staying I believe, here. I believe I'm staying here was, for spite. I believe it was. Richard Nixon said, uh, I just keep getting out of bed to confound my enemies. Oh, yes. It's a good, it's a, it can be a, you know. Remember when he could, was the worst president we'd ever yeah, had? I know. 
I know. I can't even imagine. It's the whole. Now he's like Roger Moore and the James. Bond. Yeah, he was not so bad. Lazenbeek. Oh, but yeah, Roger Moore's okay. To me, it's the. It's so. You know, I've thought this all along. Just my my. I never talk politics, but uh, but because I love movies and film history and history. To me, it's this is cyclical history. I think progress has ended. Sort of progress. Just that. That's my fear. Is that if you read history. This is like, oh, yeah, this is what happened in 1692 yeah. and yeah, yeah, what yeah. happened in the Dark Ages. And we don't read, but he, you know, but it that that's what it sort of is to me. It's likely there's, there's it's a face in the crowd with a different ending. Definitely. And, uh, and. <laughs> the, the alternative ending. Well, yeah. It's the like one he, they made he, a shoot. He, he does, the, you know, the, the mic was off and he became a giant, he became big, big a yeah. celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. All right, I know. We're gonna continue this. We'll continue this. Please come back. Thank you. Thanks, Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. I'll show you. From producers Bye. Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.